Anyway, coming at you live from Tropical Lao. Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> yes. That's it. Almost. That's what I wanted. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Have you seen Good Morning Vietnam? No, no, I haven't. Have oh you? man, it's yeah, yeah, it's one of Robin Williams's best. Uh, he like ad lib, or not ad libs, but he like um, did all of the radio segments himself, uh, himself right. as like a stand up situation, and it's like Whoa. easily the best parts of the movie because he just, you know, the director gave him just liberty. To, to rock up to the set with with all this material and so yeah. yeah he would he would just rock up to the microphone and just get everybody cackling yeah uh, yeah but uh yeah it's it's you know it's 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 a pretty good movie regardless of of how delicious those uh robin stand-up segments are Mm-mm-mm. yeah i mean i feel like that's a select few group of people on this earth who got to witness Robin Williams doing random stand stand up and ad libs on the sets oh of movies God. just yeah. because, you know, that was his thing that he did a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, have you seen one of his stand up shows before? I have, yeah. Yeah. yeah he's pretty like, amazing. Meh. Bro, the energy he, yeah. he brings to that shit, it's like Richard Pryor level. He's yeah, definitely, right? definitely one of the greats. Yeah, look at us, two white boys talking about comedians on a podcast. Can it get any more <laughs> uh, cliche than this? Uh, yeah, any comedy advice, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. Start again. Uh, Shut it down. Uh, good morning, uh, Vietnam. Yeah, um, better. All right. How about how about we pop off um, with uh-huh. a tail? So I'm oh. uh, I'm on holiday, and you know. The food's great, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to come on here and, and talk about how great everything is. Everyone loves a horror story. And uh, I would like to tell you about my flight from hell. Let's go. I haven't heard about this yet. This is news to me. I mean, I actually heard <laughs> a, the briefest of synopsis, but only, like, the flight was bad. That's all I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right. This is going to be cathartic for me as well because it's mostly my fault. So, we're in Saigon. And we got to fly to Luang Prabang, which is the old capital in Laos. And uh, we've got that food poisoning with a pH. It's, uh, it was bad. <laughs> it was like 30 hours down and out, you know, just like sleeping or doing all the stuff that you need yeah. to do when you've got food poisoning. Expunging, if Evacuating. you Evacuating. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, nothing. Nothing makes you feel like a tube with electrodes, <laughs> Quite like food like, poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's remarkable. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and, <laughs> and so day three of the food poison. You know, we're nibbling uh, bananas, rice. You know that brat diet. It's like uh, bananas, rice, applesauce, and toast. It's, oh, wow. it's very it's very plain and yeah. uh, you got to do it after food poisoning because your stomach is tiny and it's also just not ready for flavor of any kind no yeah. salt no pepper you can't you can't handle that shit son yeah. anyway so day three comes you know you're, you're staving off dehydration with Bakari sweat all the all the all the classic uh, accoutrements are there and uh, you got to fly. 
So uh, I'm flying from Saigon to Luang Prabang. And, How long is uh, the flight? Uh, it's. I mean, it's pretty short. We there's no direct from Saigon, mm. so you got to go to Bangkok first and then Luang Prabang. Go but ahead. you know, it's like ninety minutes each flight. Easy okay. stuff. So pretty short, pretty short flights. Yeah, pretty short flights. And uh, it turns out when I was booking our flights, I'm here with Phoebe Redacted. Mm. Uh, I I did not include Phoebe Redacted's middle name oh, in the no. booking. And, uh, you know, this is totally of me because I've, I've, uh, been to Southeast Asia before and there's a lot of importance when it's coming to documentation and making sure that shit matches, uh, because yeah, when you're in, uh, an airport where maybe the staff don't have the best English and your passport doesn't match the boarding pass, that's real trouble. Mm, yes. So like we're bouncing back and forth with immigration, uh, we're being told to wait. They, they like start talking in Vietnamese and laughing and we're like, oh, this, they're either making fun of us or this is a good sign. And, uh, they're just like, all right, well, you know, they put us through and they take our bag and we're like, oh my God, yes. And so we get, uh, Phoebe Redacted's boarding pass and there's no middle name. It just, they just put us through as is. And so mm -hmm. we've got to go through customs and all that shit and we're shitting our pants literally and also <laughs> literally, yeah. metaphorically. Uh, and uh, it's just super stressful. The other thing about food poisoning is you can't take antidepressants when you got food poisoning because oh, you just, you're just throwing all that shit up. So we're like out on a limb, chemically imbalanced. Yeah, raw uh, dogging life. Raw dogging life. Uh, you know, we got we got those underpant pads, like we're we're totally. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, zero it's zero pills and fucking all the <laughs> underwear padding oh. you can dream of. Oh, dude, like it's like, like yeah. <laughs> cradling. Oh, I love this story so far. <laughs> cradling Pakari sweat is the worst. It's the worst. I've yes, never, yes. I've never, you know, I've I share this sentiment with a friend. We have like a a phrase that we live by when we fly, which is better bored than stressed. So yes. you you get your shit sorted. You get it right. You arrive really early. You do a lot of waiting, but you're not stressed. This was the polar opposite of better bored than stressed. Oh. Um, so like, yeah, every time we go through a checkpoint, Phoebe doesn't have a middle name, and we're like, oh God. Anyway, we get through, we get through all the checkpoints. We get on the plane. We're like fucking amazing. We fly into Bangkok. Everything is okay. We, we catch the connection, the connecting flight and we, uh, we arrive in Luang Prabang. Now. When you arrive in Luang Prabang, you can't uh, you can't organize a visa in advance. It's like uh, you know, it's it's the old capital. Uh, the electricity's shifty. It's a very small airport. Uh, absolutely beautiful, but like you know, it's not. It it doesn't have the facilities of most modern airports. Right. And so we arrived to do our visa. We got our little passport photos. We're filling everything out, and and we get there, and the guy's like, uh, "You need to pay cash." And we're like, okay, we don't, we don't have in cash. This is a problem. We, we uh, say, you know, what can we do? And uh, they're like, go and use the ATM. And so they have to like let us through customs, but they hold mm. on to our passports. Mm. So we're like loose outside of the airport without our passports. <laughs> and the ATM doesn't work. 
and oh. we're just like, oh my fucking god! I just, you know, the the food poisoning is still a thing. Like all yeah. those things I talked about before. This is the end of two flights, and you're like, you're kind of ragged as it yes, is. Yes. But after the food poisoning, the 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 poopy pads, like it's all there, and so <laughs> we like. We end up getting directed to a bank and, like, we get money out and we go through and it ends up being all okay. But, like, that is the minimum viable product for, like, catching flights and getting to your destination on time. I do not recommend it. Yeah. Damn, dude. Incredible thing. (laughs) Yeah. You you had a tale to tell and that was a tale worth telling. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, like, no. don't don't forget middle names. I mean, I don't have a middle name, so it's yeah. it's not really something I'd come across before. But yeah, don't forget middle names and like have cash, have some of that cold hard cash on you, just a little bit, just some US yeah. dollars. That that's all you need. Yeah, yeah. Is it, do they, they take USD over there? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. I mean, you know, it's it's post war. And uh, the economy's absolutely fucked. Like, one Australian dollar is worth 15,000 kip in Laos. Oh, right. I thought they had but I'm thinking of Thailand. You're thinking of Thailand. Yeah, wow. They're so They're pretty close together, though, right? Like, geographically. Extremely close. Yeah, yeah. And they're using different yeah. currency. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Anyway, I don't know anything about geography. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I, really. But, uh, yeah it's uh that's 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 where i'm at we've been traveling we've been eating we're past the food poison it feels fantastic you know it kind of highlighted the new flavors even more because totally yes when you've just been biting into to like raw you're raw dogging toast there's not even butter on (laughs) on the toast it's just oh my god and so when you move from that to like you know local Lao stir fries my god it's just like they just explode in your mouth it's like let's not go there joe how are you (laughs) and what have you been playing oh man um yeah i mean hell yeah dude i'm so glad uh that you've passed all the food poisoning stuff and that you're enjoying yourself been seeing some of the photos come through on phoebe redactor's instagram and Uh, yeah, there's some real peak stuff. I saw you slamming a what looked like a hay figurine into a board, a wooden board, repeatedly. And uh, you know, I, I couldn't tell if I wanted to be the figurine or the board. You know, I wasn't sure which, where I wanted to land on that one, but it felt felt right to be one of them. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, that was that was me slamming uh, rice. That, that rice. was part of the, oh. the rice harvesting process. Because I saw in the background of some of those pictures, there was like little rice or like wheat-shaped figure, man-shaped wheat figurines. Yeah, yeah. They got the, these like little man scarecrows because mm. like the birds and the rats love the rice before it's ready. And they, uh, right. yeah, they, hook, they hook up all these traps to the scarecrows. Oh, so the shit. birds land there and they get crushed. I thought they were teaching you to make one of those scarecrows. No, 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 no. We we did like a, a full, uh, you know, 13-step uh, how to grow and harvest and cook rice in, in the, the jungle way. I mean, rice was your saviour during the food, or one of the saviours during the, the food poisoning. So it seems exactly. appropriate that you learn the whole thing. 
Oh, bro. And let me tell you, we had we had like rice at the at the farm after we did all the the sowing and reaping and all that stuff, and uh, mm. it tastes fucking amazing. You know, rice is fucked. You've got to be a shredded <laughs> farmer working yeah. like twelve hours a day for five months to get a grain of rice. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> it's remarkable, and we buy that shit at Coles for like two dollars a kilo. Yeah, yeah, it's just readily right there in giant brown bags. <laughs> sling Fucked. over your shoulder and yeah it's crazy speaking of sling over your shoulder i um i cocked my <laughs> shoulder up dude oh no what happened yeah i don't know what's wrong with it I, maybe i should go see someone about it but i'm not sure anyway so i was walking zeus mm-hmm. and uh across the wetlands he spotted a couple of dogs being walked by their owner mm-hmm. and uh he got very excited and I was like oh here's a great chance to like redirect Zeus and doing do some play to like stop him from thinking about those dogs Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I like swerved to the left and got tried to get him to jump over this little uh guide rope there's you know like ropes that are around the outside of of parks you know have like holes and ropes in between them yeah and so he likes jumping over him and so I was like oh here's Zeus jump and he was like about to jump and as I'm stepping over to like go over the rope with him he like animation cancels out of the jump midway through and turns back to go like investigate the dog some more but I'm already going over the rope and so like I fucking tumble and like get basically bowler roped you know in Death Stranding when those guys get bowler bowler roped (laughs) that happens to me Uh, fuck and I go down. Uh, I felt like I was falling for an eternity, you know? Being so tall, falling takes ages. Uh, and I land on, like, I think I land on my left elbow and sort of crunch into my left shoulder. And so now my arm has just been so sore for, like, a week. Uh, oh, dude. That's it's, terrible. It's, it's a weird one because, like, I'll sleep and wake up and my arm feels great. And I'm like, wow, I feel so rested, feel so healed. I'm alive. Mm. Mm. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then I'll do something, and I'll be like, "Ow, yes, it still hurts." And then I'll keep, mm-hmm. you know, using it throughout the day. You know, trying not to use it very much, but mm-hmm. I'll, you know, do regular life things, and my arm by the end of the day is so sore. Oh, and bro, so, yeah, you got to look after that. I've got, I, I got some physios I can hook you up with because Excellent. I just, you know, had myriad injuries uh, before the pandemic, so I'm very, very intimate with many of Melbourne's best physios. Excellent. Yeah, look, I might go like to the GP and just be like, "Hey, give me a referral to this GP." And I'm uh, not sorry, this mm-hmm. GP, this physio, and uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll do that for me. Yeah, sick. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've been I've been real good, uh, vibing, chilling, working, jerking, all the good stuff, as we said prior to recording. Um, <laughs> we got that new animator starting Monday, which is exciting. Hell yeah! What a thrill! Haven't worked with an animator in such a long time, so that'll be fun. Um, and I've been playing some games. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I've been playing um, that Lethal Company a little bit more. Oh, yeah. that's I, I saw that got like 100,000 concurrent players. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned that last epi. Yep, yep, yep. It's been doing yeah. the numbers. And, Sick. Uh, very cool to see. It's like super popular now, and there's like heaps of mods and stuff floating around for it, and we were playing a modded version with some people from work the other day. Basically, the game is four players, but you can mod it to have, like, as many players as you want. Oh, my God. And so, yeah, we were running around with, like, five or six people, which doesn't seem that much different, but, like, you know, the spaces are all designed for four players, so you would expect, mm. and the scenarios and creatures and everything are kind of designed around that 
that number. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. always weird when you track a bunch of people into at a situation that's usually only got three or four. Um, yeah. So yeah, played a little bit of that. Played actually last night. I played a bunch of uh, Spelunky Two with a friend of the pod, Pete. Really, Spelunky yeah. Two? How did that go? It was good. I mean, Spelunky's hard. That game's hard yeah. as fuck. Yeah. yeah, I never, I never vibed with Spelunky, but it's, it's often at the top of many people's like favorite roguelike games. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool because there's a lot of variation. There's like lots mm-hmm. of different things that can happen in a run. Uh, but it's just really not friendly to beginners. It's just like, mm, yeah. yeah, it doesn't doesn't really let you progress unless you really uh, nail certain aspects of it. Sure. Um, I remember so, like the th- the thing sorry. that uh, ground me down in mm. in Spelunky is just especially multiplayer is mm. you can't see all of the level very easily and. Yeah the fall damage is immense in that game yes. and it, and it can like you can if you take fall damage you like bounce off and you can land in spikes or like a spider's web or something and yeah i remember just being like every run ending because of fall damage or like yeah, misjudging right. where i thought there would be somewhere to land but there yeah. wasn't because i couldn't see it and i was like all right spelunky <laughs> Yeah, you know, it kind of has the Sonic problem. It's like, it feels like you should be mm. able to go fast, but you're actually supposed to go really slow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe that's not the Sonic problem, but, you know, it's like, if, you know, once you kind of work out what the game's asking of you, like, oh, you really got to, you know, look around and, like, take your time and take mm. out enemies one by one and not jump down an invisible pit uh, and <laughs> yeah. not, not take on challenges that you aren't sure how they will end. Uh, and that becomes totally. harder and harder. And the urge to gamble in that game is high. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I think I can make this, and I cannot make this almost every time. <laughs> uh, hell yeah, that's a yeah. that's a good spread, Spelunky, and uh, that that new indie game. Yeah, Lethal Company, and I also been playing a bunch of a new indie release from Melbourne called Knuckle Sandwich. Actually, I don't know if it's from oh. Melbourne. They might not be from Melbourne, but yeah, Australian game nonetheless. Knuckle Sandwich sick um, what's that like it's really dope it's super fun uh very funny like i've never laughed so much in a video game um, wow yes it's i don't know if it's like just my style of humor or or what it is but it's just been hilarious the whole time i've been playing it um it's basically like did you ever play undertale uh no i still haven't got got around to it it's got like big undertale vibes um it's got a bit of like, uh, what's that on the game? Oh, it's, it's like a turn-based RPG style thing. So, um, yeah, you know, RPG maker style stuff, but not from RPG maker. It's from another game maker yeah. tool. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been really fun. Um, I think that's it. I mean, I played a little bit of Mario Wonder this morning and I played a little bit of Alan Wake during the week, but it's been a while, man. It's been a while between recordings yeah yeah so we, been we banked them up yeah we did for the first time in a while we banked them up yeah sick dude well like i uh you know i bought a couple of games to to have some travel games but uh you know slay the spire is the perfect travel game it's mm-hmm. yeah so i'm just i'm just still playing, playing that very occasionally yeah. uh, but brother do i have some chicken wangs for you <laughs> 
excellent excellent yeah let's hear the chicken uh, wings and it should be noted that i'm i'm recording this on a lappy on which i am also uh touching to scroll through these chicken wings that i've written oh, down so peak audio you might, experience yeah you might get a little bit of that yeah all right so chicken wing number one star wars knights of the old republic remake is dead uh oh, what? so to quote giant bombs jeff grubb this game is not being worked on in any way at any studio so this comes off the back of like a month ago when sony released a trailer for the remake and then took it down uh blaming music licensing issues uh mm. but maybe there's something deeper there because yeah apparently it's just it's just yeah. floating in in the ether right now yeah you know when i heard that story about music licensing issues for the trailer or whatever it was i was like that sounds like the you know red herring or like misdirection or something <laughs> you know like yeah. that, normally they would work that thing out if it's it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be this like that that would wouldn't be the read it would be something else so yeah mm. it sounded a little bit suspicious so yeah mm. yeah uh i got actually wow look at this i got a lot of sony news today that's weird um and this one's a rumor, but it's such an interesting rumor that I gotta I gotta bring it out. And it does have some names attached. So Sony is rumored to be walking uh, walking working on a Bloodborne movie. No so, way. Yeah, yeah. So they've already got a producer attached oh. to this project. They've got um, Lorenzo Di Bonaventura. And he produced G.I. Joe and Transformers. So that's that's big. That's a, you know, a, again, like these these Nintendo, Sony, when they're going to, like, break into the video game music sphere, uh, movie sphere, sorry, they're not going to, like, you know, grab indie sensations. They're going to yeah, grab yeah. the big money makers. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they've also got writer Darren uh, Lemke, um and and like the these two people are signed to this project um i couldn't find much for writer darren uh, uh the the best thing i could find for him was like a writing credit on shrek oh. whatever number they're up to not okay. the first shrek but like shrek 7 or whatever right right um but yeah Star interesting <laughs> yeah star studded <laughs> but in, in, interesting that like the, there's a movie coming you know that uh that says a lot to me about there there being a complete lack of any sequel in the works you think that's sign of zero sequel um i mean look i've always I've, i feel like i've always read the tea leaves on bloodborne i feel like mm. there's not going to be any sequel um we'll see like the remaster in five years and the remake in 20 and that'll be it mm. yeah tench yeah, I feel like people have been mostly waiting, more than a sequel, have been waiting on a 60 FPS port to the PlayStation of Bloodborne. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. that's the main I, thing. I mean, I've seen that shit on a, on a PC, you know, where they've worked it out and modded oh, it or like whatever. Modded. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so smooth. It's it makes like, a difference. Yeah. It does in that game. I mean, the action yes. is just so fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is that and is like, one game that they got so many benefits. clothy flappy bits in um, Bloodborne <laughs> that it really lends itself nicely to the flowy feeling of sixty FPS. 
totally like the hessian budget in bloodborne was <laughs> i had a lot of money to spend on the hessian sacks let me tell you <laughs> uh, all right rounding out the sony news um we we got sony having sold uh as of last quarter 46.6 million ps5 consoles that's quite and a few you might be like, Darian, that's just a number. How do I know how much that is if I don't have any other numbers to compare it to? And uh, I got true. you. I didn't I think that, you. but thank you. Thank you for... <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, I mean, I've got like the top 25 best-selling consoles, but what, what I'm going to do is just we're going to do Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft, and I'm just going to tell you the number one selling console each of those things sure so for nintendo what do you think is their best-selling console the wii actually interesting so the wii is their fourth best-selling console yep is the switch Uh, number one no the switch is number two okay jesus christ (laughs) i don't know what number one is the nintendo 64 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's like, that's way down the bottom. It's so small, I can barely see it. Is that 3DS? Uh, uh, no, that's uh, that's also quite small. Oh, what the fuck? So, at 154 million units, Nintendo sold the Nintendo DS. Oh, uh, right. For, yeah, that, and that's that's huge. That's, that's, a, that's a very big number. Yeah. Um, that's total sales, yeah. That's total sales, babe. Yeah. Uh, moving right along, we got Sony. So as I just said, their PS5 is is about to hit forty seven million. But uh, what do you think is their their number one at a hundred and fifty nine million? Jesus, uh, the PS2. Of course, the PS2. That's such an incredible console that I never had. You never had a PS2? No, I was an Xbox bitch. yeah well i mean i feel like that generation was like just one of the biggest generations you know like between uh xbox one and ps2 i feel like most kids in our privileged white neighborhood had at least (laughs) one of those consoles yeah yeah i remember seeing a lot of playstations in my friends houses and always thinking boy howdy does that look like a weird console because when you turned it on it did like that and then you like navigated a cityscape to like choose options mm. remember mm-hmm. that yeah 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 and it it okay. kind of I, I remember thinking like the mature games were on playstation and the kitty yes. games were on xbox you were probably correct in thinking that yes yeah you know like xbox had sly raccoon and jet set radio future and PlayStation had Metal Gear Solid, even though I never yeah. played it. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then we got Microsoft coming in uh, with its number one at 86 million. Uh, can you have a guess of that console? Oh, I'd say it's the Xbox 360. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, 47 million consoles in. Uh, uh, for for the PS5 there is is not bad and just to give you a uh, a bit of a Microsoft comparison the Xbox Series S slash X is at twenty two million. Um, 
Yeah, right. Which makes a lot of sense because they have just bum-fucked their own marketing to the uh, <laughs> degree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They've called it... They've done the Nintendo Mario treatment. It's new Super Mario Bros. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's amazing how much that makes a difference because it's just like oh dear. you know yeah i've got a series s and i remember when i i first had it when we were talking on this pod i didn't even know what it was i like i owned one yeah. and i didn't know what to call it dude yeah it's such a it's still a mystery to me i actually don't know i work in the video game industry and i can't tell <laughs> the difference between an x and an s is there a pro series i don't know <laughs> yeah and look now um now sony uh you know the sony fives are getting these new skews where they're yes. apparently 30 percent smaller but uh, yes. exactly the same functionality and uh, performance or whatever um yeah look it's just messy out here you know ever ever since fruit daddy steve jobs died it's just mm. very complicated yeah you reckon that he was the one, he was the unifying force? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one him thing... Being, his being still alive would... You think if he was still alive, it would have changed the course of video game console history? No, no, it would have, it would have had no bearing on video <laughs> games whatsoever. But, like, it, you know, it was just, like, with all the Apple stuff, you know, how there's, like, 40 million fucking iPhones. Like, yes, even just yeah. the current generation, there's so many. Like, he was, yeah. he was all about there being one iPhone one, and one yes. iPad. One, a, a small iMac, a big iMac. Like, it was very easy to, to look at the Apple page and understand all of the products, yeah, whereas now yeah. it's just the fucking it's wild west out there. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of uh, of the Nintendo games and the Wii, I had this tweet read to me the other day, and I thought it was an incredible tweet. Uh-huh. Uh, here, here he goes. You ready? I'm just going to try and read it off the top of my head. Um, oh, yeah. Hit me. Yeah. Okay. I really thought buying a Wii would solve all my family's problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... Isn't that a beautiful tweet? Yeah. Yeah, that really encapsulates a lot. Um, you can kind of imagine that family dynamic. What do you reckon they booted up first? Bowling? And, yeah, uh, definitely Wii Sports on Christmas. It's got to be Wii Sports on Christmas. Mm, mm, yeah. yeah, or that resort one. Yes. Yeah. Well, Wii, Wii Sports Resort, right? Oh, was it one and the same? Yeah, I think the well, Wii Sports Resort was like the follow-up. Right. I see. Yeah. I think it's like a lot of them came bundled with the Wii, the Wii Sports game. Yeah. Yeah. No, they just nailed the marketing for the Wii as well. Like they had all those old people playing it, mm-hmm. and I think I think that was just a winner. You know, like if you yeah. if you have this controller where you literally don't have to learn any of the buttons because you can yeah. just move it around. It's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's very attractive for non-gamers. Totally. That's why I thought it was the one because it had that really successful Christmas that one time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. No, I would have guessed the same, but I yeah. think, uh, you know, in Japan, that Nintendo DS just was yeah. prolific. Yeah, public transport game, I guess. Hmm, big time. Big time. I got a couple of uh, not nugs. What would you call them? Chips, bag chips, bag chips. Haven't had a bag chip in a hot minute. Let's uh, let's chow down. All right. Uh, reading straight from someone's tweet here. Unity <laughs> is closing. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not going to do the whole Darian treatment where we <laughs> rewrite headlines elegantly so as not to rip off people. I'm just straight ripping. 
<laughs> Unity is closing VFX company Waiter Digital, which it purchased oh. from Peter Jackson for $1.6 billion two years ago. Mm. Mm, I saw 250, this. Sorry, 265 people will be laid off with Waiter FX hoping to rehire as many people as possible. Unity will keep Waiter's tools it acquired. Isn't that crazy? Fuck. Yeah. Man. Imagine just being like 1.6 below just two years ago. Nah, fuck it. Yeah, that's fucked. Isn't yeah. that fucked? You know, for for more immersion in Lao, I'm reading the Communist Manifesto, and yeah. it's it's really interesting. But it's it's really uh, you know it's just like another perspective to consider. But you gotta love how it just trashes capitalism. You know, it's <laughs> it, it it's just like you know we we moved from the slave system to the feudal system to what is now capitalism i'm like oh yeah go on <laughs> communist podcast it's almost the weekend it's coming <laughs> um speaking of books that you should read have you ever read capitalist realism by mark fisher i have not that's a book i'm gonna get that for you for christmas don't buy it all oh, right shit i won't buy it all right I'll, I'll try not to read it in the next 10 minutes yeah it is really short it's like a little handbook but it's yeah, i've heard a bunch of quotes from it uh over the last couple of years and i think it's right up your slash our alley hell yeah okay i got one more nerg um in under this is straight from gamesradar.com in under six <laughs> weeks <laughs> in under six weeks co-op hit lethal company passes boulders gate 3 and resident evil 4 to become the highest rated steam release of 2023 oh we fucking love that isn't that crazy highest rated past boulders gate 3 for 2023 yeah. fuck yeah isn't that nuts you, you get out there Right, that's fantastic. We we love we love an indie hit. Speaking of indie hit, <laughs> oh shit! I don't know the topic this week. Oh. Could this be? Could this be the best segue ever? I think it might be. The topic <laughs> is what is an indie game? Oh fuck yeah! This is gonna be easy because uh, we're not idiots like Jeff Keeley. Oh, <laughs> we'll see about that. So this is a little bit of a slapdash one. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Like I, di I didn't want to take it too seriously. You know, I didn't want to come in here saying I know exactly what are the criteria, asking a bunch of like hardcore questions about like what what makes up an indie video game. I kind of just wanted to throw out a bunch of stats and be like, what do you what do you reckon? Yeah, um, no, it's good because I've got I'm highly opinionated about this because I think I know exactly makes what makes an indie game. Oh hell yeah! Okay, well, good. Uh, <laughs> maybe I don't need to do this topic. Maybe you just say, <laughs> but yeah, let's do that. Let's start with what you think an indie game is, and then we'll we'll go from there. Okay, an an indie game is is a game that is made by a studio mm -hmm. that must seek out its own uh like investor so if i'm hideo kojima right i own yes. kojima studios yes. if i make death stranding that ain't a fucking indie game right sony said how much and i was like i don't know 120 million and they were like yeah here you go uh, just because, like, Death Stranding super weird and it was made by a studio that, you know, has, like, 
plants in the office and a coffee machine, that doesn't make it an indie game. If you are a studio and you need to seek investment to get your game made, you, you're making an indie game, baby. It's about, mm. it's about the money. It's not about mm. like how the game fucking looks or if it's pixelated. And uh, to give context to why I'm so fiery about this is because the Game Awards nominations came out and mm. um, D- Dave the Diver was Dave nominated. Dave the Diver, yes. And it's not an indie game because no. it was made by a studio who had, like, it, it didn't need to do anything to get funding because it was owned by a big, fat fucking corporation. And was, that's... Were they owned by or are they published by? That is a question for the uh, topic owner of this podcast. <laughs> I actually don't know. Uh, yeah, that's a really, I, know I just asked maybe the most pressing question for this whole topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're going to fade in the music because we got to know. Okay. I don't know the way the, the, the money, you know, like I don't know. It doesn't look like Nexon is like the the uh, you know developer. It looks like they would have probably paid for this publishing company, this like sort of subsidiary publishing slash development company called Mint Rocket, to do their bidding. Right. Yeah, that's that's that ain't an indie game. It's like yeah. uh, if you're a publisher, like you... you can't be an indie game. <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's clear cut right there that's that's about as clear as it gets but like let's say uh your studio joe the studio you work for is owned by woolworths you <laughs> yes. you aren't you you aren't making an indie game when mm. when you create your game but if you're uh doing as you're doing and you're like you know, you've got a team and you're like, we've got these ideas, this is our prototype, and you go to Annapurna and you're like, we need funding to make this yeah. because we're not owned by a corporation. You're, you're making an indie game, girlfriend. Yeah, look, I mean, we've probably already had more pr- productive discussion than in the entirety of the text of my my uh, spiel here, but let's just go for it. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's just go for it. Uh, I'm guessing you've already faded up the music? Oh yeah, no, we're back. Okay. We're we're well we're and truly back by this stage. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's just go for it. Um, like you said before, this is sort of spurned on by the uh, Jeff Keighley, uh, what is it called, Game Awards noms of putting uh, yeah Dave the Diver as an indie game, uh, probably just because of the way that it looks. You know, it has that indie game aesthetic it has that pixel art it's a smallish game anyway sure let's let, let, let's I dive mean, on in dave style it's like uh it's like grow home right grow grow mm. home that like climbing plant mm. game uh it's made by ubisoft it can yes. it can look however it looks but when you're when you're made by ubisoft you don't you don't go into the indie category unless you're in charge of the game awards and you're an idiot what if the like grow home is like just as a thought experiment maybe like you've got a bunch of staff from Ubi yeah. like one of the Ubi branches and they just yeah. finished on like you know uh, Assassin's Creed 7 or whatever the fuck and uh-huh. then you're like okay you guys don't have much to do until Assassin's Creed 8 comes out you want to go make a game and you take like 30 people and you say here mm-hmm. is some space to make a game they basically mm-hmm. form their own little mini Ubi 
studio at that point. Right. And they're working on Grow Home. They're not mm. like, you know, that they, they could be shut down by Ubi if they need to get mm. pulled off of Grow Home to go back to Assassin's Creed. But yeah. they're kind of, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're being published by Ubi as a, as a studio making Grow Home. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I mean, you're describing exactly how Hearthstone came about. Right. Okay. Yeah. At Blizzard, they, you know, they had five people, which was endearingly called Team Five at Blizzard. And, uh, you know, they went off and, and made this calm card game. And that's why, like, when uh, Hearthstone has really shit launches of new content, everyone's like, you know, please forgive this indie game studio. Yes. It's, it's Activision Blizzard. And, and so, yes. yeah, I, I think the line of delineation is about where the money comes from. The, the, mm. Is it an indie game or is it not? Has nothing to do with the aesthetics or the type of game. It's, it's about the money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, look, it, it's, it's, I think there is, you're mostly right. I think there might be a little, of ex, little bit of extra slip, slippity slidey parts. Um, Don't but slip me up girlfriend yeah I don't know why i'm calling you girlfriend i'm sorry about uh, that. that's all, right. <laughs> all right i'm just gonna i'm just gonna start reading <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm two rum and cokes in so let's see how this goes <laughs> <clears throat> uh, this topic is one of the game dev scene discourse bingo squares and it's conveniently its own uh it's conveniently currently in the discourse because of Dave the Diver got nominated at the TGA for Best Indie. Mm-hmm. This caused a stir because it was published by Nexon, a billion dollar company, whereas games like Boulder's Gate 3 were self-published and came from a company that is entirely self-made off the back of a Kickstarter funding. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great thing right there. Boulder's Gate mm-hmm. 3, indie game. Dave the Diver, not an indie game. Yeah, but Boulder's Gate 3, big money. Yeah. Lots of but money. Like, lots of money, but like not, uh, you know, independent. Remember, that's that's what we're talking about. It's 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 the same as like any other industry that has independent things, like uh, the beer industry or the movie industry. Like you're indie if you don't have funding or ownership from like the biggest fattest wallet in town. Mm. Mm. Yes. Uh, anyway, <laughs> in response to the kickback, Keely told VGC, the video game chronicle, you can argue, does independent mean the budget of the video game? Does independent mean no. where the source of financing was? Yes. Does it mean the team size? No. Is it, <laughs> is it the kind of independent spirit of the game? Meaning no, a smaller... what the fuck? <laughs> Meaning a smaller game that's sort of different. Uh, I think everyone has their own opinion about this, and we really defer to our, ju- our jury of 120 global media outlets who vote on these awards to make that determination. Wow. Which is such a fun deflection, considering he really didn't give any firm answer here. He just threw a bunch of questions out. Yeah, which have clear answers. Yes. I mean, yeah, look, whatever. Whatever, Keely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 120 idiots are more like it. I love how angry I am about this. I've, yeah. I haven't even played Dave, Dave the Diver or probably any of the indies that have been nominated. <laughs> <laughs> what is on the list? Hang on a minute. 
<laughs> oh god, here we go. Here PGA we go. In the nominations. You can you can tell Joe really went deep for the research on this one. So. <laughs> god damn it! I did a bunch <laughs> of research, but yeah, look, I wasn't prepared for Darian to come in here swinging with his big opinion. <laughs> we got Cocoon by Annapurna oh, yeah. slash Geometric. Yeah. We got Dave the Diver by Mint Rocket slash Nexon. We got Dredge by Black Salt Game slash Team Seventeen. Now, that's mm -hmm. an interesting one. Sea of Stars, Sabotage Studio. Mm -hmm. And we got Viewfinder by Sad Owl Studio slash Thunderful Publishing. Mm, so why is Dredge an interesting one? So do you think Dredge is an indie game? I mean, I, I, have, I, I don't know the story, but like if Dredge were a studio and they have this idea and they needed to seek funding from Team 17, then yeah, that's an indie game. Okay, so Team 17 is a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're worth, let's see here, 253 million US dollars with 400 employees. Does that still yeah. make Dredge an indie game? Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think it, it, it's about like how you come about the financing. So right. like, like I said with your studio, if you're owned by Coles, not an indie game. But if you have a team and an idea and you need funding and it comes from Coles, I believe that's an indie game right right so it's more about it's it's less about being wholly owned and more like being given money to as an investment right because what i think needs to be highlighted is it's incredibly risky when you're developing an indie game you know like for a, a company to invest in your game like that is an investment for them and it comes mm. with a bunch of risks but like yes. if if you're a billion dollar company and you own a studio like you just have this huge war chest to pull from it's not like you're like all right you know we've got this many staff members this is the budget and then like you get a, sp a specific amount of money right and then you need to do the best you can within that constraint i feel like if you're kojima and you're and you're like fuck we need you know another three months and another 10 million sony's gonna be like yeah like you're kojima we're sony we've you, you know it, it's the 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 financing of the project is just completely different yeah yeah i wonder how those discussions go you know like if they are more open like that you know if kojima can just roll up to whoever sony ceo is and be like i need money money <laughs> yeah look um give him money you know like, i um, don't know same, uh, same with the coles example like if you are a, the company that coles has bought and is uh -huh. like you know paying you you need three more months and you're like money mm. do they just give you money like i don't know yeah look i i have no idea i'm i'm like you simplifying things quite yeah, a bit yeah. <laughs> just for, for the, the sake of my <laughs> argument but the, yeah. the point is like the relationship with the studio to where yes. the money comes from that yes. determines whether it's an indie game or not yeah yep i mean you probably should have done this topic at this point <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna read through a bunch of indie games here that uh that you know maybe have the impression of being like you know the thing that you would expect to be indie or that have mm -hmm. like you know rumors about them you know oh this game was made by one person but actually are not the case mm. just not to illustrate necessarily that they are not indie but just to sort of demystify perhaps a little bit of the uh the the indie haze that might be on top yeah. of them <laughs> yeah cool how does that sound 
Yeah, that's good. I want to be enveloped in the indie haze. <laughs> indie haze! Um, <laughs> so, here we go. Um, we have the classic that I mentioned before, Undertale. Boy, howdy, Toby Fox, right? That one guy. He did all of that. No, he did not. There was 18 developers, in fact. Not all of them worked on the game. Uh, there was quite a few thanks and, you know, inspired buys in the credit, but it wasn't just Toby. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we got a recent Game Club classic Return of the Oberdin, Lucas Pope. Love oh, that sure. Solo dev, yep. supposedly. No, 94 credits on the credits, including mm. 69 professionals. Nice, nice, nice. And 16 thanks credits, mostly voice actors, but also playtesting, localizing, and outsource models. Mm. Yep. Stardew Valley, another beloved concerned ape solo dev. No, mm. not a solo dev. He had a, mm. a, a man by uh, Tom Coxon come on in and do the multiplayer code, and all of the ports of that game were carried out by various studios. And mm. the retail distribution was carried out by the publisher 505 Games, which is fair enough, I guess. Mm. Uh, I mentioned before uh, about how uh, Dredge is sort of thought of as a little indie fishing game, mm -hmm. which, I mean, yes, it was developed by Team 17, Oh, sorry, by, uh, who was it that I said it was by? Dredge? Yeah, yeah. You said Team, Team 17. 17. Yeah. Yep. Uh, where am I here? I've lost my document. Uh, but yeah, Team 17 is a, is a public company, and yeah, like I said before, worth $253 million with 400 employees. Dave yeah. the Diver, we've mentioned before, but I've just got some stats here for you. Oh, hell uh, yeah. Nexon is worth $27 billion Australian dollars. That's, Which is, that's a lot of dollar it is. It's insane. <laughs> uh, yeah, for a Japanese games publishing conglomerate, that is quite a lot of money. Considering, like, I had a look at their little their backlog or publishing list of games, and it's not, not a bunch of, like, you know, big AAA hitters, though I'm sure Japan has its own scene. Mm, mm. We're sort of isolated out here in the West. That's still, you know, what goes on. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you got... The Artful Escape, bitch. Uh, <laughs> little Melbourne indie studio, uh, Beethoven the Dinosaur. Currently being looked mm -hmm. after by Annapurna Interactive. Mm -hmm. uh, and Annapurna have an... This, they're not a public company, so we've only got estimated annual revenue. And this, I'm not mm -hmm. sure when this was published on this website, but it was listed at 3.5 million doll pairs a year. 3.5? Oh, yeah. Seems low. That's, yeah, that's very low. Yeah. So like. that, you know, I don't know if that just includes if, you know, this website really had zero fucking information, but I wanted more information. It was like, yeah, pay, <laughs> pay us money. And so I didn't, I didn't want to look into that. But um, yeah, it could just be on their films, for instance, that might be all they're getting. I don't mm, know about sure. their game, game sector. Anyway. Yeah. But those, I mean, yeah, those are some great shout outs. Same for like Death's Door, you know, the original Games Club game. Mm. Uh, that was that was two people and you know you look at the credits for that game and those two people are at the top and it's like coding uh music and then you know they had like 25 credits because they needed to outsource specific things uh yeah and yeah it's 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 very rare that we we have a game that is truly just like one person sitting at a computer for 18 months or whatever it is 
Um, yeah, uh, yeah, and I think that's kind of like th that stuff does happen, you know. Like if you look at some of the stuff from Lucas's Pope, like game jams or whatever, where he like puts mm. them on his website for free, it's like that shit is just like, yeah, that's one guy, you know. Like that's that's Lucas. Yep. He just did that. Um, it's yeah, not you, IO. Yes, that's where the indie, the the truest of indie games. Live. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you made your game with no money, indie game. Indie game. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, I kind of had a little bit of a round out here, but I think what we already said is kind of round out enough, you know, like your points about um, the the source of the money is kind of pretty, pretty spot on. I think about when it comes to defining what independent should and shouldn't mean. Um, yeah. I still think there should be some amount of, I don't know if this is like a subcategory under indie or what you would say it as, but size mm. of studio because like the actual game itself that you end up seeing and playing and looking at footage of is like really easy to just make assumptions you know obviously with mm. dave the diver being put in the indie game place you know mm. because even though it's you know what it next on made homegrown mm. the, the collection of people that worked on it might have been very few and so it has For that sure. appearance. And so you got to be like, you know, number of folks involved <laughs> is, <laughs> is like a metric that I reckon really comes into like how we award these things. You know, if we're going to be like, hey, AAA, but like 14 people worked on it, then wait a minute, is that actually AAA? Like what's going on? Mm. And then same with, same with Indy. It's like, you know, Nexon, maybe it wasn't only just like 20 people that worked on it. Maybe there was actually like 400 people on Dave the Diver. I don't, I don't know. Like, who knows? Yeah, I think, I think there is something there, but that does open you up to like giving Blizzard indie game of the year for Hearthstone and stuff like that because of the team size. So yeah. I, I think, yeah, maybe there could be like a couple of prerequisites, but, um, for instance, like in Australia with the beer industry, um, wh whether you're independent or not is based on where the money comes from, but also the literage of your brewery. Mm. So, yeah. so once you surpass a certain literage, you're no longer independent. Um, yeah. And like, I don't know what that is off the top of my head, but I feel like that's kind of what you're getting at where it's yeah. like, all right, so you're, you're, you know, you're not owned by a big conglomerate, but your team size is 2000. Yeah. Like surely that isn't an indie. So yeah, I think, I think maybe there is something to that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of Larian, you know, like they're, mm. they're not owned by a multi-billion dollar conglomerate, but they're self-funded uh, sort of. And so like, yeah what's the deal there technically indie no but they've got i don't know how many people working there so and it doesn't have the appearance of an indie game and then there's like no. a, another layer to that which is like uh games these days uh so much easier to make look good uh <laughs> i don't know this is such a big <laughs> feeble argument but you know it's like oh this, <laughs> this thing looks like it was made by a huge team of people but really it was only three guys you know like, whatever yeah. like that that, yeah, that yeah. side of it is 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 present at the very least yeah with it, without, see you know. i I think that's where people get too caught up is like the aesthetics and the type of game. And I just think it doesn't have anything to do with that. Like it's, it's yes. much more clinical and, and it's about the way the business is run more than anything else. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think on one hand, I, I, I yearn for this like extra layer of 
determination or determinism when it comes to maybe having extra categories surrounding like in the indie sub genre Mm -hmm. um but then i also yearned for your level of clinical diagnosis when it comes to (laughs) you know making a clear-cut version of how we define terms within the industry because it is a younger industry compared to like film or like you say where it's like those things have been around for so long it's like well, well we've had time to discern what is x and what is y um yeah so yeah, there's, there's, there's I just, two two layers of feeling I have there. I just think it's funny that the game awards obviously don't have prerequisites. Like yes. otherwise, they just would have said these are, you know, the terms in which we choose our games. But they've just been like, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of people getting together yes. and choosing games. It's like okay, so what you're saying is you're not that organized. Well, I think that, I mean, yeah, the Games Awards has never been organised, obviously, with the guy rushing on stage last year. Who knows what's going to happen this year? Uh, but it's also been quite openly, or maybe not openly, but, it, you know, anyone who's ever looked into it even a little bit realises that it is basically just a, a, a popularity contest uh, with uh, advertising and announcements slapped on top. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very big and very popular, and, you know, it's sort of like you know who wins the school president <laughs> like <it's that> version <laughs> yeah. of an assembly yeah except with way more ads oh my god chic robot strolls in and thrusts <laughs> in your face uh, <laughs> yeah i i remember i watched one game awards for like a minute and it was just it was just so gross and gauche and and just stuffed with ads yeah uh, i mean yeah it is that if you watch from the very start, it's like ads, ads, ads. And then there's like, you know, 45 minutes of announcements, 20 minutes of awards, the big boy awards. And then it's like a bunch of really weird little awards and then ads, 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 and then it ends. Uh, so it's like literally like a sandwich of ads. Um, it's like a capitalism sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong though. Last, or maybe it wasn't the last one. It was probably a little while ago now, but when they announced Death Stranding 2 and I was watching the, that game awards, I was having a good time. I was having oh, a great old time yeah. <laughs> being hell there when they yeah. announced that. So, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. No. Just no no shade on those who enjoy it. Like you, my dear yeah. friend. Just a little bit of shade there, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Just a tiny bit. But only yeah. for you. If you're a listener <laughs> and you enjoy it, no shade. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Be kind <laughs> to the listeners. Um so oh speaking of listeners i one of the dudes at work um geordie mentioned that he listened to the pod the other day and he listened to the obradin episode oh sick what did, yeah. what did he think shout out he, to geordie shout out to geordie geordie's an incredible uh, programmer um yeah uh he, he instead he really enjoyed it so, yeah, sick. had had he played obradin no oh wait oh shit i don't remember if he said he had or he hadn't i think he had but he sort of had a mixture of the two experiences of ours Mm, where it was like right. he sort of, you know, had played a little bit but kind of got stuck and just sort of left it. Uh, yeah. But he remembered, He remembers really enjoying it and wants to go back to it. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, I uh, every every now and again when I hear like a violin or something, I'm like, ooh, maybe I should just boot it up just to be there. <laughs> Get back on that ship. Get back on that Obra Dinn, baby. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you got uh, any closing thoughts on indie games? Nah, I reckon that that rounds it out yeah what about you you got any you got any bits and bobs no i've been loud enough i have opined 
And now I will stop. <laughs> uh, nice. We hope you have a really lovely weekend and we'll catch you when it's almost the weekend again. Hell yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.